Greetings and welcome everyone to another episode of the Browns Note Podcast. This is Ryan Burns coming to you from Dog Pound West in Orange County, California. You can find me at FTBL Sickness on Twitter. You can find the podcast at the Browns Note. Tonight, my special guest, my old friend, the OG Mr. Sen Soga at East Coast Dog on Twitter with whom I used to do the Football Sickness podcast way back in the olden days when Twitter was a kind place. And football was to be discussed without derision or uh, or sarcasm, perhaps. Just Send a little off. bit. How are you, man? Late, a little bit late, even for derision and sarcasm, all kinds of words that that take more than just a "what's up." You know what I'm saying? It's been, I would have been fine with a "what's up," dude. You know, it's been a long time. How you doing, player? It is. It is. It's been way too long, and I'm excited to do it again. And it is never too late for big words. Um, but we've got a lot to talk about, my old friend. And for those of you that have not been down this road with us before and are strictly Browns Note podcast listeners, let me bring you up to speed as efficiently as I can. Sen and I met in 19, the fall, if you will, of 1993, late summer, early fall, 1993, in the dorms at UCLA. And that is why I brought him on today to talk about the case for Josh Rosen. Because... Right. This is going to be a somewhat homerish case uh, relative to the other examples that we've said on this podcast so far. I said, I don't know if you've heard all of them, but I brought Brendan on, Mr. Leister, to talk about. Uh, I brought him on. He's the other half of this podcast most of the time. Right. <laughs> uh, he, uh, to talk about, but he's a Sam Darnold guy, and so I let him make the case there. Uh, I had Pete Smith making the case for uh, Baker Mayfield. I had the immortal Matt Waldman making the case for Lamar Jackson, even though if you've heard Matt elsewhere, you do know that Matt Waldman's first choice of quarterbacks in this draft is in fact Josh Rosen. But he found, he found Lamar, the Lamar Jackson case to be a compelling one. He had just done the Rosen case on, I think uh, locked on Browns and maybe with Mark Schofield. And so having Matt on to do the case for Lamar, as you might imagine, was both entertaining and insightful. And uh, so I hope people go back and kind of check out those other ones um, relative to this one, because I suspect knowing what I know about you and sort of our inter intertwining thoughts on this particular matter, uh, this will be a persuasive one as well. So it's going to be it's going to be a good time to talk about it. But let us first do this, sir. For those that don't know it, uh, Sen is a lifelong Philadelphia Eagles fan, and so it has mm. been undoubtedly a rather pleasant several months for my old friend. And I'm going to give you the floor because look, if this had been a football sickness podcast episode, it might give you like six, seven hours to do this. You have a couple. You might not have gotten this far. Yeah. You have a you couple mean, of minutes. <laughs> you might have gotten this far. Anyway, no, it was fun. I've got to say this, Look, having lived through a lot of disappointment growing up, having lived through uh, Marion Campbell, having lived through the time when they put Randall Cunningham out in the field on third and 25 because Ron Jaworski can get out of his own way. They just want to see Randall do some stuff, spin around, throw an 80-yard touchdown pass, maybe get knocked out against Lawrence Taylor. Television. At the same time, that drew me into the game. That's what started the sickness. To go through the times with Buddy Ryan with that defense with Clyde Simmons and Reggie White, uh, to have a guy with Seth Joyner, Wes Hopkins, Dirty Waters in the back end, to see those teams that were doing their thing and not get to the promised land and then be, hey, through some sort of you know, fortuitous luck, the Browns decided they wanted to trade a pick to the Eagles and allow them to draft a guy named Carson Wentz. And while he was not able 
to make it through the season. He's the one that got them to that point. And then Nick Foles, he a guy that when they your Super Bowl MVP quarterback, Nick Foles, who I was unhappy. You couldn't have done it without drafted. Nick Foles. Who needs Carson it, Wentz, dude? I watched him at Arizona. So unhappy the Eagles drafted him, but look, it ended up happening. And Nick Foles got them to the promised land, fulfilled the destiny that really was not if Mads were being honest. I mean, Andy Reid just could not make things happen. He had so many chances, so many quarterbacks, so many things that went down. But look, it's been a fun ride. I'm glad you were there to see it go down on Super Bowl Sunday. Wouldn't have rather shared it with anybody else. And by the way, there is hope out there. If the Eagles can employ somebody like Rich Kotite, Rich frigging Kotite, Maybe the Browns have something in their future as well. Well, that would presume that they're going to fire Hugh Jackson here in short order and hire their Doug Peterson uh, with 15 or 20 years of pain in between. So let's let's go ahead and skip over that if we could. And it was good to share that with you on Super Bowl Sunday. And we will be together again, my friend, this coming weekend for uh, for for the NFL draft, as we have not been in a couple of years. So this will be really good. We're going to have draft draft sick this weekend up at Jones Estates in the Berkeley Hills. Oakland Hills? I forget if Jones is technically. I think it's the Oakland Hills, but it, let me just tell you, there is a spectacular 180-degree view of the San Francisco Bay, including wait. the Golden Gate, including Alcatraz, including Mount Tam, including Angel Island from Jones's backyard. A little beverage, a little grill. Hopefully the Browns not taking Josh Allen. Mm. We'll see what happens, but let's get into it. Yeah. Because there are a lot of things about sort of the quarterback decision, let's call it, for the Cleveland Browns. That there, are, As the dude would say, there are a lot of ins, a lot of outs, a lot of what have you. I'm here to sort of sort through all that. And let me just put all the biases on the table. You and I, both UCLA lifers, basically. Your folks met at yep. UCLA. And then you went to UCLA. I went to UCLA as a freshman same year. So this is all coming from a place of we're sort of inclined to like Josh Rosen. However, let us also say that you and I are known critics of the football program over a long period of time. And and one of our most, I, I would say if we were going to sum up our criticism of the UCLA football program for the last 20 plus years that we've known each other, God, 25, that hurts. They've never taken themselves seriously. They've gone out and they've gotten a lot of decent recruits. Right. They have never hired the coach that is really the coach until this year, right? And we'll see how that works out. That's not the point of this podcast. Never have I been so disappointed in our program as I have been with how thoroughly we wasted Josh Rosen. And that's on the heels of wasting Brett Hundley. And I'll say this. I, I know Brett Hundley has got his chance with the Green Bay Packers and has not lived up to any type of hype. But coming out well, of hype. And if Josh was, Rosen woke up tomorrow with Brett Hundley's game, he'd throw himself out a window. Exactly. Right. But Hundley in college did his thing. And Rosen was trying to take the, pro, the, the program to the next level. And I was there day one. All right. I've watched Josh Rosen growing up. He was in some of the seven, seven on camps. I watched him from his, from the time he was a freshman in high school on the varsity. A little team. background here. You do a lot. You do a bunch of youth football. You've, you've done some coaching. You're involved. Right. So that's when he says he's seen him. This isn't, I showed up at a camp once. All right. Folks. No, I've seen him. 
exactly. I coached a lot of youth football. My kid was a quarterback at the time, just a couple of years behind him. I've watched a lot of high school stuff growing up. From the time he took the reins as a sophomore until the time he stepped on the campus of UCLA, he had fulfilled everything that people were saying about him. This is a kid who was a world-class youth tennis player. Um, he's a kid that was just smarter than everybody, which apparently scares a lot of people, which I don't understand because if, if you want a quarterback, I guess being smart would be one quality I would look for considering how many times they leak the Wonderlick scores out there, but I digress. He steps on campus with all the hype that you would ask for. And I was there day one at the Rose Bowl in his first start as a freshman. I saw the best pass that I had seen from Josh Rosen in his career. He drops back on the first play, play action fake, and throws a dime right in front of me, 60 yards on the money into the chest of one Kenny Walker. Who does what? Throws it right onto the ground. And the first thing I thought was, here we go again. We're about to fuck up Josh Rosen, too. We sure did. Right? And we sure <laughs> and did. We, and we sure did. The kid played three years as a freshman. He stepped on this eight and five, even though he had not a lot of to work with. Outside of a guy you know pretty well drafted in the fourth round of UCLA and Jordan Payton, a guy like Thomas Duarte, who got drafted by my, or I don't think he got drafted, maybe was signed as a free agent in Miami. Those are the best people he played with, bro. And I know there's a lot of people who would say that, well, Josh Allen didn't have a lot of oh, talent. No, just don't even get me started yet. We'll get there. I mean, here, here's the thing, Sendog. I need, you to, I need you to help explain something to me. And I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here, and if you give me the road for it, we will then proceed without me having to have interrupt constantly. Have at it. I would like someone, anyone, and if, you, if, you're that, if you're the man for this job, please feel free when I'm done with this. But I need someone to explain to me the following phenomenon. At least 17,000 dozen times I have heard this draft season some variation of the following notion. Josh Rosen is the best, most NFL-ready pocket passer in this draft. He throws the prettiest ball. He's probably the best NFL-ready quarterback we've seen in several years in the draft. Here's, but, why, here's why the Browns should take this other guy. Hell, send even his own frigging coach did it. Mora was on the NFL Network talking about he, how he'd take Sam Darnold because of quote-unquote fit as if we are supposed to have any idea what the hell that means. Now, I actually have some idea what that means with relation to, okay, you're going to run Todd Haley's offense, you've got an offensive line, you've got a quarterback like Tyrod Taylor, we'll get to all that. But, I mean, here's the best guy we've seen in a few years and you should take this other dude. Now, look, I acknowledge how talented and productive some of these other QBs have been. And, and really, I think this draft is loaded I, in terms of if you have to make a bet on a quarterback and you're desperate, this is the draft to do it for me. But can we hold the phone for like a moment and drill down into this notion that seems on the face of it to me like complete freaking lunacy? We're talking about a franchise that has struck out in spectacular fashion at the quarterback position for more than two decades. And we're the John not, Carlos Stanton of, of franchises. <laughs> we're Dave Kingman, bro. We don't. We're not John Carlos Stanton. And 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 we're advising them to take other guys in the same draft as perhaps the best pocket passer we've seen in years. So Rob Deere. In short, I have questions. Now there are all these little narratives about Josh Rosen and supposed red flags. Let me back it up to twenty thousand feet and just make some bold faced assertions. Number one, in terms of fundamental soundness taking a drop, throwing the best ball. It is not close. Josh Rosen is the best in this class, period. End of story. 
I don't think it's up for discussion. In terms of pinpoint accuracy, to me, it's not close. I will hear something about Baker Mayfield because he's so consistent. I think his, the, the offense that he played in and it makes it tough for me to know how much of that to – look, I'll just say this. There's a skew. It's tough for me to know how big a skew, and I'll leave it at that. Sam Darnold, there's an argument because he makes so many ridiculous plays with balls right on the money. Lamar Jackson, there's an argument because he's a freak show. If you take Josh Allen over Josh Roseman, I think you've lost your goddamn mind. Well, I'd agree with you there. Let's rewind a little bit because we've had this conversation many times. Let's take Sam Darnold and put him on the UCLA Bruins, and let's take Josh Rosen you know, you know, you're right. We have had this discussion, and I've made this point a few times on this podcast, and i got to tell you, I think I walk it back a little bit. Well, and, and this is not to take away from Sam Darnold. My point is I think Sam Darnold would elevate the talent around him on the UCLA Bruins. Absolutely. He would make plays outside the offense, coaching be damned, which would be the biggest part about Josh Rosen that you would talk about is we know he needs to be on schedule. He needs to be – Protecting a little bit and see, counter me, that the counter is the that is the single most valid I don't know if you call it a concern or a criticism because I think two or three of the best players in the game play the game this way. I mean Manning played it that way, uh Brady plays it that way, Breeze basically plays it that way. Um and we're also but talking about we're talking about like Obi Wan and Mace Windu's, and yeah. we're talking about we're we're talking about those guys, right? Totally, but I think that's what you're I, like. Look, let's be clear. That's what I think you're talking about. If you're talking about the true upside of Josh Rosen, I, I, I hear about how Josh Rosen has this limited ceiling, and and from an athletic standpoint, I get it. But let me put it to you this way. If Josh Rosen is in the right situation, his ceiling is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I genuinely feel that way because I also feel he, that he's accurate. He's smart as hell. He uh, look, he has to stay healthy and he has to have players that can play around him. I would concede those points. For sure. But that leaves him in the company of guys like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Uh, well, so I don't, I don't, when people tell me that, look, there are a bunch of like, and let me just get this off my chest so we're done with it. The, there are a bunch of these like boogeyman narratives with Josh Rosen athleticism, toughness. What the hell are you people talking about? He's not a great athlete. I agree with this. However, he was a top 10 youth tennis player in the entire frigging nation. That takes athleticism. It also takes some competitiveness. It also... Go ahead. For somebody who started 30 games as a college football player... Oh, the toughness argument makes me livid. Do it. He was sacked 53 times which means he was hit 150 times and kept getting up for a program that has done absolutely nothing historically since the days of, let's say, Cade McNown and Skip Hicks. He kept getting back up to play football for a team that could not run the football, had no interest in protecting him, had no interest in giving him any type of receivers to throw to. We're talking about a guy whose coach was Noah Mazzoni, who, you know, is all about real fast offenses. 
Kennedy Palomalu, who'd never been an offensive coach before as a coordinator. And then Jed Pichuo, Jed Fishu found a way to connect with Josh Rosen. So for much, all I mean, guys, for the people that didn't see all this up close, I, I, I think what you're making brings into stark relief for those of us that saw it. The difference between Josh Rosen under Polamalu and Mazzoni compared to vis-a-vis Josh Rosen under Jed Fish. Talk about that a little because Jed Fish, you could look, Josh Rosen is ready to do all the pro stuff because we've already seen him do all of it. The turn your back to the defense, the take it under center, the check downs, the check with me's, the all of it. Josh Rosen's done it all already. Everything. And, and so, but but the thing about what Fish did, all three years, the Bruins put everything on Josh Rosen's shoulders offensively. They didn't run the ball a frigging lick for three years. Didn't even try. And at the same time, the offense this last year was the first year they actually gave him some tools and some weapons from a scheme and design perspective at his disposal, and to me, I thought the offense looked like a pro offense. And so let me say this, because at the same time, we want to try to project him to the next level, and we don't want to be this a referendum on how terrible UCLA has run their football program for the last right. second and a half. Fo- that should not be the focus of this podcast. Okay. But, so let's so just let's, say this. It's been frigging terrible. <laughs> so let's get back on track. The point is, how does Josh Rosen project to the next level, and how can he take the Browns to the next level? That's the number one question. So we know Jed Fish has coached him very well. He challenged him, which seems to be a problem for a lot of people out there. You have to challenge the millennials. I'm sorry. I'm pretty sure the last five years it's all been millennials and will continue to be. So if you cannot challenge these guys to get better, you should not be coaching you. Jackson on you. My point is this. If you have a guy like Duke in the backfield, if you have Jarvis and you have a guy like, uh, well, I would say number 12, but we have no idea that he's going to actually make it there. But if you look at the offensive line, if you look at the defense that they're building, they're building a take-your-face-off defense. The fact that they have a chance to go ahead and bring a Bradley Chubb in there on the defensive side of the football, the chance they could even trade back, get more assets, and bring in a Harold Landry, take somebody's face off the football while still getting a quarterback. The Browns have positioned themselves nicely to take advantage of this draft. Thank you, so Sashi. If you do that, if you, if you do that, you want to make sure the guy you hand the keys to is the best man for the job. So the question to me is twofold. Do you believe that Sam Darnold is better than Josh Rosen? Because to me, those are the two quarterbacks as a Browns fan I'm looking for. Okay? Well, I agree with that 100%. And the answer is no, I really don't think he is as we sit here today. But I definitely acknowledge that I see a path to where Sam Darnold could be the better long-term bet. And, and that's my point. When I started earlier and said, hey, is – is Rosen as good as he's going to be? Because having sat there and looked at him from the time he was a freshman to the time he is now, he's the same guy, right? His strengths are so uh, pretty. See, this is interesting. I don't agree with that. I, and, I, and I, he fun. has learned a lot about, about how to get you into the right play. He has learned okay. a lot about when not to pull the trigger. Although I, would, I, would, I totally agree with he, he, you, you said something before we came on about how there's a lot of Eli to him. 
I would I would put him in that Eli Jameis category where when he's hot, there will be no dealing with him, and <laughs> and he's going to make some stupid throws. Right, he's, and that and that to me is the case that I would hold against him a little bit. But I guess at the same time, he turned out to be Eli Manning. Who's going to be angry? You'd with that? probably be okay right. with that. Okay, and and so we there's something to a guy who has magic to him, and I think both right. of these Southern California guys do. And if you listen to every teammate he's ever had, all they said about him is how awesome of a person he is. And I, and, and I will say he probably had to mature, which I'm not sure that any 18 year old person hasn't had to. Or 17. A person who may have been. A Josh person Rose, who has, all the stuff that came out of the Elite Eleven with Dilfer, and I'll, I'll come back to this, but that was when Josh Rosen was 17 years old. And, and owned the world. Owned the world. Everybody wanted a piece. Has never wanted for anything, right? So you have a kid who's never wanted for anything, who was really good at most of the things he's ever done, who's probably been smarter than what anybody. What a shock that he lacked to. some perspective. <laughs> right, exactly. Right, And by the way, anybody who criticizes a kid for having a hot tub in his apartment is not living the life that they want to live. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, my point is I think that when you look at Josh Rosen, I think he can be the guy for the Browns. I think he's the guy for anybody in the draft. And if you're avoiding him because of personality, because he makes you feel bad, because he's smarter than you, you're doing your job wrong. Because to me, all I want from a quarterback is to be smart, number one. To be able to diagnose a defense quickly, get a team into the right play. You talked about Mount Walden earlier. All you got to do is look at Matt Waldman's RSPs on what he's done on Josh Rosen and see the high-level football that he's doing. Play action fakes. The, the dip at the mesh point to be able to bring the defense in. The ability to read one side of the field and quickly come back to the other. He's doing high-level stuff in college, yet people are saying he's not the number one pick. Let me bring it back to like the most simple of facts. How many Sunday throws a game did Josh Rosen average? Oh, I'd say at least 10 or 15. Thank unfortunately, you. And there's nobody else in this draft that did that. Agree? Uh, well, un- unfortunately, only six of those were caught. He had the <laughs> second highest drop rate of any quarterback in this draft class. Right? And well, that it goes depends back on to my who you ask. According to Pro Football Focus, and I look, different guys chart this differently, and I frankly have respect for anybody who's willing to sit through a game to chart it for these purposes. So I will – by all means, acknowledge yeah. the human error that. factor here, but I'm looking that. at the PF. I'm looking at the Pro Football Focus numbers because they have some cachet. Look, Rosen was the highest in the class according to them. 7.7 percent of catchable passes were dropped. Mayfield at 7.5 percent. So when you take that into account, I think there's probably a balancing to be done there. Just as a side note, if you think Mayfield's but scheme you, um, and defense was bad. Or, or was substandard. Well, I mean, or was that's the wrong way to put it. If you think that Mayfield's, if you think that Mayfield's situation helped him, guys were dropping the ball all over the place. The FBS average was six point four percent, and Allen was at right. four point eight. Darnold was at four point one. So I mean, there's a pretty big clip between Rosen and Mayfield and Allen and Darnold. That's your big takeaway there. Exactly. There's a huge difference. And and look, Mayfield's the guy that. You know, makes plays, owns the huddle, does what he's got to do. And I love everything about him. And he gets to play with a Samaji, a Mark Andrews, a, a, a Dee Westbrook. I mean, you look at some of the guys that he's throwing to. And you wonder, when you look at these numbers, 
that to me is the biggest takeaway between these top four, maybe five quarterbacks. Sam Darnold has played with the best of the best from time he's in the field. Um, Baker Mayfield has probably stopped played with, I'd say, if not the best, the second best. Oh, Joe was in his backfield when he was there at Oklahoma. He's played with a lot of guys on the field. Then you start to look at guys like Josh Rosen. Um, you look at Lamar Jackson. Those are two guys. Lamar Jackson, which to me, if QB1 meant you throw the ball the furthest, you're the most athletic, and you look really fun on the field, he's the guy. When you look at Jackson and Rosen together, they're the ones who have made the most of all their opportunities with probably less weapons than the most of these top guys have had because Josh Allen, forget him. I couldn't care if the receiver was standing on the beach. He'd miss his ass on the boardwalk. That's what's happening with Josh Allen. My point is, take the guys that can play and take them. Put them in a situation to succeed, and maybe that's the only reason you – I almost went there. I almost made – I almost – I almost was dirty to Browns fans right there, and I stopped myself because it is a Brown. I do appreciate that <laughs> on behalf of all of us. But I wanted to go. I wanted to go back to this concept. There are these boogeyman narratives with Josh Rosen, right? The athleticism and competitiveness stuff. He was a top ten junior tennis player in the country, right. across the country. the country. So you can tell me that he had the silver spoon because his parents were successful. Look here, if you are in the top 10 in any athletic endeavor in the entire United States as a 12-year-old, you're good at it, you're competitive, and you're probably tough. But if you don't believe a tennis player can be tough, go back and watch the 2017 game against Texas A&M, or really any game in his career. But the the A&M game is a good example. And Which talk, we both left early on. To be I have no qualms <laughs> about that, to be, to be clear. No qualms. I'm glad I left it. That game sucked. But Josh Rosen spent three years in this offense, and that game is a microcosm of it, wearing freight trains to the face. That dude stood in there and took as many hits as any quarterback I have ever seen at the college level. He was in there getting drilled. Now, part of that is he got himself drilled a few times. But by and large, the protection protection was crap. Guys weren't open. And the scheme was booty. And he got beaten to shit because of it. And in that game, he got particularly beaten to shit. And he came back from 31 down. He kept getting up. He kept making throws. Yeah, he got a little fortunate. Guys dropped picks. 31 down. Kept getting up. Don't talk to me about competitiveness and toughness if you weren't looking at that game. If you weren't looking at some of these other games where he's wearing... Washington Polynesian guys to the face for three hours. This team did not protect this kid. They were god-awful up front. And whoever takes Colton Miller in the first round is a lunatic. Wow. So, we, I mean, look, Colton Miller was a guy that came into school with a lot of accolades as well. Didn't produce on field, but his numbers look really good. Athletic He's not, but I mean, he's six eight, three some odd god po- god pounds. Somebody's going to take him. You know, I what? agree with what you're saying. You know what, Sen? I'm I'm actually really curious, seriously Uh-oh. curious about your take. Your oh take. no! Excuse me to Stephen A. Smith, you, but I'm curious about your view on this whole. Because I, I just feel like we're going to have a similar angle on it, but from different perspectives. 
This whole Josh Rosen is too smart for his own good. He wants to know why all that stuff. And the backdrop to this for me is guys like Aaron Rodgers and what Trent Dilfer says now about Josh Rosen versus what he said about him when he was 17 coming out of the Elite 11. Look, I'm not saying all these other guys aren't smart. They probably are. I mean, I think Lamar Jackson be able to, to be able to handle the Bobby Petrino stuff has to be pretty quick. I think Sam Darnold seems like a guy who connects with a lot of different dudes. And so to do all that, you got to be kind of, you got to have something to you. You got to be a man of substance. But when we're talking about this whole Rosen wants to know why thing, and that's going to bother people, and he's outspoken about other things, I, I just feel like the, all that crap is so ridiculously overblown. But I wonder kind of your viewpoint of it, because I know you have been. You were the uh, man. I'm extremely you smart. Were the You're man. right. You were the man. You are extremely smart. But you were also the man who taught me that if you're a knucklehead, you can't be my quarterback. Well, I tried it. Do does it that, qualify as knuckleheadedness to wear a fuck Trump hat on a golf course owned by Donald Absolutely Trump? Absolutely not. Well, um, if you think that, then maybe this conversation is not for you. My, my point is this. <laughs> my point is this. Number one, um, Monty Jones says it all the time, and I'll steal from him, and I've got to give him props. He's got to make people feel better about being smarter than them. Because when you're talking about rich people, they are used to being in power. They don't want anybody asking questions or making them feel that they have to do something they want to do, answer questions they want to answer, don't want to waste their time. Josh Rosen doesn't care about that because, look, I he doesn't I resent the it. implication that I am not rich. Uh, well, I'm sorry. This is not about your resentment. This is about real-time talk. You know what I'm saying? This is real talk, bro. The point is, I don't understand it. I want my quarterback to do as much as he wants to. I want my quarterback to understand as much as he can because when you get in the game, it's too late to ask questions. So if you have problems about the guy asking questions Monday through Saturday that he wants to know what's going on, you're going to have problems coaching him on Sunday. And if you have problems coaching on Sunday, if you're talking about losing games on Sunday, you won't be around for long. That's one thought. So I have no problem with it. This boogeyman theory, Josh Rosen needs to go in, do his, do his best, be himself, be real, because that's the only way you lead these men. Authenticity. Lead the men. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I, I actually think, sorry, I was choking on a sip of beer that I accidentally spilled there in the interim. So I'm choking on the thought that Todd Haley and Hubert Jackson are coaching together. You know, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. And probably a topic for a whole podcast about why are we aligning these people this way, but that's neither here nor there for the purpose of this podcast. I, you know, it is interesting to think about Rosen though, in the context of the Todd Haley offense versus the, what we think of as the Hugh Jackson offense. I mean, right. Rosen could do all the stuff Dalton does and better, but I don't know if he can do all the stuff Roethlisberger does. And I think well, Darnold probably can do most of that stuff. There's about 40 pounds missing between the two of them, but I agree on some level. Darnold is definitely much more athletic as far as breaking out of the pocket and making, as Greg Cosell would say, second reaction plays. And the quick He's game. much better at that. The quick right. Just catch it and throw it. Darnold's borderline miraculous at that. He is. But and the funny thing is, when you look at Darnold versus Rosen, Darnold seems to slow the game down in chaos right, where Rosen speeds up in chaos. It's funny to watch the two of them Ro together. Rosen is at his best when he can diffuse chaos, whereas yes, Sam Darnold operates within it. 
Exactly. He loves it. In fact, he welcomes it. When you watch tape of those those two guys, Darnold welcomes and You can chaos. win Super Bowls either way if you're good enough, right? If you're good enough and you have good enough people around you, you can do whatever the hell which, you want to do. Which guy do you – not which guy in this case, but which pillar of – because to me, those are the two kinds of different successful kinds of quarterbacks in the modern NFL. There's number one, the pocket surgeon, the guy that John Gruden probably prefers, right? And then there's the playmaking athlete. Favre. Favre slash Lux slash Roethlisberger slash, I don't know who, I, I sort of put Phillip Rivers in that group too, just because he's, he's, he sort of represents, I'm going to get it done, whatever it looks like. Um, which way do you prefer? How do you want to play the game? I want to play the game without a quarterback to turn the football over. I know a lot of people like the fact that if you turn the ball over, that means you're taking chances. You're being more proactive. You're, you're, you're so seeing you them. like Tyrod Taylor. I do. I like Tyrod, right? I like a guy that can get out of the pocket, make plays when he wants to, but also in the pocket, he's, be risk averse. with the football. Exactly. Because to me, as a quarterback, the less mistakes I make, the better the team's going to be. Now, there's a lot of people think that, hey, if I'm not making mistakes, I'm not trying hard enough. That's not the way I feel. Because you know what? The game is not a me versus 11. It's, it's 11 versus 11, 22 versus 22, plus a coach. If I make sure that my team is in the best position to win and I'm not the one screwing it up, right, then I have more chances of the ball in my hand. That's what I want out of my quarterback. You raise an excellent point, Send Dog. I go back to my very first day as a young attorney at – the rather sizable Orange County law firm of Stradling, Yaka, Carlson, and Roth. I had a beautiful office, 14th floor, overlooking the Big Canyon Golf Club. All right, all right, all right. No, no, no. You got to get to the, you got to catch, you got to, I'm painting a picture. I'm setting a scene. Hey, look, I didn't have the Oceanside office. You got to give, I mean, I had the golf course side. I just got to say this while you're talking about this story. It reminds me of Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods on the tee as the announcer's talking about an eight-time winner of this tournament. Eight-time winner of this like tournament. I feel like this makes me Phil Mickelson, and I therefore hate this story. And then, and then Phil says, all right, all right, all right. We've heard enough. <laughs> that's, the, that's how I feel right. right now. Anyway, I'm just painting a picture. Anyway, the whole point is that you made a you, – you gave a sentiment of how this should sort of work out in an offensive philosophy. But my first boss, a guy who was a gazillionaire, right, who handled huge deals – the best advice professionally I ever got was from this, at the time, I would, I would put him at about 70, and he was nearing retirement. How you doing there, Mr. Burns? How's that file? He, he asked me about whatever it was I was working on. And as he exited the office, apparently satisfied with whatever I had reported, I have no idea what it was at this juncture, he says to me the following words that I promise you I have never forgotten. Very good. Move it along. Don't fuck it up. Right. I mean, that's... That's, that's playing quarterback. It Move is. it along. Don't fuck it up. That's quarterback I'm, I'm, to me. And that is, the, that is Josh Rosen to the hilt. Yes. Although he tries sometimes to, as you would say, fuck it up. They all do. And, that's, and, and they all do. I, I just wonder sometimes, for him, you, you look... I'll, I'll take the two Joshes, and this is really where I, I try to compare the two. 
Josh Allen is a guy that I think tries his best to screw it up and gets saved a few other times and is not quite sure, as Greg Cosell says, he needs to get faster mentally, which to me, I'm not sure you can coach that. I'm not sure you can not coach to get faster mentally to diagnose an NFL defense. On the other hand, Bell says, Rosen throws an anticipation, placement, which to me, those are the two things, accuracy, placement, and anticipation. That's what you want in the quarterback. So if you're asking for your quarterback to learn that, you've got a huge problem because we're not playing Pop Warner football anymore, right? Especially the guys who are getting bigger, faster. You have guys like Miles Jack and Telvin Smith out there playing linebacker. Do you believe it's possible okay? to develop anticipation if you've never had it before the NFL? Absolutely not. I don't think it's possible. In, in fact, we watch it. We watch the combine. We watch pro days. We see how they gear the passes towards what they do best. We don't necessarily see a kid who can throw the ball deep trying to work on touch passes within a five-yard radius. We never see that. We see them accenting what they do well while trying to hide what they don't do. But we see the tape. We watch it. And if you cannot complete 60% of passes in college football in this day and age, you can't be the number one pick in the draft. Well, so that brings to mind an interesting point. I think you could look at Josh Rosen's completion percentage and say to yourself, who the hell are people talking about this super accurate passer? I think there are a number of factors that go into that. We talked about the drop rate. We talked about some of the schematic stuff that is whatever we talked about. Guys that just frankly don't get open and there's no running game and you have to score 50 points. There's a lot there's a lot that goes into Josh Rosen's numbers, as there is for any quarterback. I'm not trying to play one against the other. Right. But as you saw his evolution over three years, and you said earlier in the podcast that you see him basically as the same guy freshman year to, to junior year, and I'm curious about that. As you view his arc of development, how would you characterize it? I'll say this. He... At the time he stepped on the field, was ready to play, and he showed it. And, I mean, he went 8-5 and five as a freshman in college football. He was ready to play, and, of course, he had a lot of talent around him that first year. His second year, he continued to try to make plays that he wasn't capable of, which caused him to get hurt, hurt his shoulder on a play where he probably should have thrown the football out of bounds. Comes back his junior year. This is a guy that has been throwing interceptions at a rate that I'm not a fan of. All right. Two out of three years as a freshman, he threw the same amount or just less as far as picks as a junior. He didn't find a way to stop making mistakes. Maybe he made more plays. He threw the ball more than other people, but he did not take care of the football. And a lot of that had to do with plays outside the pocket because they did not put him in a position to succeed. We're talking about a guy who only took 10% of his throw or 10% of the dropbacks outside of the pocket. So if it wasn't designed for him and he had to make a quick decision, quick reaction, he didn't do it very well, which scares me because the game only gets faster. I'll agree that when you had to make a tight throw in a clean pocket, Josh Rosen was perfect at it. We've seen a lot of throws where we put the ball in the back shoulder front. In fact, Jim Moore, who I tell a lot of times to stop talking, said that we have a lot in common I, with our coaches, don't we? Right. <laughs> if I said throw a slant, Rosen would ask me, you want it on front shoulder or back shoulder. Right. I love that from my quarterback to want to know exactly what the place would be. What are which we doing fun. and why are we doing it? Exactly. Who is your daddy and what does he do? But if he moved out of the pocket, 
he's still looking at that front or back shoulder of the slant that should have been thrown two seconds beforehand. Uh, now, see, this is, to me, a valid criticism. He will linger. He will linger. That will happen. But I suspect that this is something that will phase itself out mostly. It won't be. Well, look, it's going to bite you once in a while. No doubt. No doubt. It's, it's Eli, Eli and Jameis and all that stuff. It's going to bite you once in a while. When, you, when you're watching the maturity of children growing up, you think, well, maybe that's just a phase. Maybe they'll grow out of it. Maybe that's something they won't do again. It doesn't always happen. In fact, you, know you, what? you think that. You just said something that triggered. I don't know why it triggered this comparison. I've heard a couple of comparisons that I think are both valid to Josh Rosen, and I wonder which one you think is more apt. Is he Matt Ryan or is he Eli Manning? I think... Ooh, wow. I was going to ask. I think he's like equal parts of both guys. I think he is. I, I think he's Eli in that he gets hot and makes plays, but at the same time will make a throw that makes you want to throw your hat into the friggin' fire. And he's not learned. He's not wrote the way that Matt Ryan is. He's much more naturally gifted. And Eli has played a lot of times as the guy who's got to throw the ball 30, 40, 50 times in a game for guys around him. But then look at Ryan. Matt Ryan's a guy, well, when Julio's balling, you've got Roddy out there. Roddy leaves, you bring some other guys. But at the same time, you go ahead and you solidify your backfield with a Tevin Coleman, right? Um, you got 24 and 26 back there doing their job. You know, you got Freeman and Coleman back there. Now you're working on your offensive line. You've got a good offensive line. You've got a defense that flies around, by the way, Deion Jones. If you do not have him in So the situation ID. matters is what we're talking about here. Right. So, so if to me, if Josh Rosen's floor is Matt Ryan and his ceiling is Eli Manning, I'm not quite sure how you don't draft to number one. Yeah. I mean, that's how I see it. And, and, you know, to sum up my view of this, because I think you need to be able to put things in little packages for people, especially in this day and age, the way things work. But to sum up my view of it, in short, to me, if you're really convicted about one of these other guys over Rosen, I honestly, I, I have zero problem with it. Like, if you're one of these people who think who think that Baker Mayfield is the man, who think that Sam Darnold is so intriguing that you got to have him, who think Lamar Jackson is a freak show, no, I get it. One, right? I get it. Well, I don't. To me, Rosen would be my clear cut number one. But I get why other people disagree. That's the that's the thing. Beauty being in the eye beholder and all that. There's a lot to like about several of the other quarterbacks, as as I kind of hope I've made clear over this podcast series, this quarterback series. But, but, and let me be real clear about this one. If your problem with Rosen is Rosen, I think you are badly missing the boat. And I'm here to help pull you back aboard before you drown in a sea of bad takes. Because Josh Rosen is here to put the ball on the money. He's here to learn your offense and every defense he's going to see from here to eternity. He is here to wear freight taint, freight trains to the face, just like he did th for three years in college. And I'll be damned if I am going to bet against the kid because, look, you're about to put him in a situation where the whole world has decided that he's a rich, spoiled prick from the public school in Southern California, by the way. Never, mind, never mind that we're calling the, the, the private school kid the blue-collar one. We'll leave that alone. Right, exactly. Um, look, I dare you to leave Josh Rosen for a team that is basically ready to play. I fucking sure. dare you. 
Um, I'll, I'll say this, and, and I think we've done a good job of dissecting what he does well, what he does not do well, what we project him to be, what we think he could be the NFL level, and what, to me, would be a mistake by a lot of teams if they pass him over, whether it be personality-wise or whether you think that his body shape is not the one that will keep him being injured. If you're really worried about durability, it's the freaking NFL. If your quarterback doesn't get hurt, you have hit the lottery. Okay, so durability to me, while it can be a concern, it's a concern from anybody who decides to play this game for a living. So if you're going to go ahead and play quarterback, I want him to be smart, accurate, have a strong arm, be able to handle any offense thrown at him. What I don't want him to be is bad. <laughs> and maybe that's an oversimplification. Okay, but I think there are some guys who are being spoken about that are bad at the NFL game of football. We've seen it all. Let me me run you through an exercise, dude. Uh Uh-oh. We're going to look at the round, just the first round, the order of draft. You want me to exercise it? No, this is going to be a very simple first thing off your head kind of exercise. Don't need to stretch. Yes or no, is Josh Rosen an upgrade on the current quarterback? Yeah. And I'm just going to walk through the, the, the people picking in the draft. Cleveland Browns. Yes. New York Giants. Bush. Hmm. New York Jets. Yes. Cleveland Browns again. Yes. Denver Broncos. Yes. Indianapolis Colts. Let's assume Josh, or, uh, Andrew Luck can't start week one. I'm pretty sure since he's still throwing Nerf footballs. Yes. Tampa Bay. Yes. Chicago Bears. No. You like Trubisky better than Josh Rosen? At this point, Trubisky has actually played an NFL game. He's done some things I like. That, if that's the line, Deshaun Kaiser's better. He, yes, he absolutely is. And I oh, said this yeah, last no year. We had, had we, we had we were on Ethan's podcast. Yeah, you're right. And he, you guys asked, who do you think is the best quarterback in this draft? And my answer was Deshaun Watson, without a doubt. Oh, I said Deshaun Kaiser. Oh, who has also played many games in the NFL. So let's not. I'm sorry. I, I guess I blocked Kaiser out of my mind. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe sure I did. <laughs> I heard Deshaun. So I let's thought. Let's start again. Do you like Mitch Trubisky better than Josh Rosen? <laughs> no. Okay. Thank you. Jimmy Garoppolo. I think I probably do like better than Josh. I would agree with that. But yes. I think I put Jimmy Garoppolo and Josh Rosen in kind of the same basket. Fair enough. I think Garoppolo's. Pretty damn good. So yeah, I, think I do can, too. But he went in the second round, and Josh Rosen's not. Agreed. Derek Carr, Josh Rosen. From tomorrow on. Derek Carr. Yeah, you thought about that shit though. <laughs> I, only because he just blew his ACL out. Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Tannehill. Back. Speaking of Ryan Tannehill oh. or Josh Rosen. Rosen. Buffalo Bills, whoever they have. A.J. McCarron or Nate Peterman or Josh Rosen? The Peterman. You're a liar. Alex Smith or Josh Rosen? Probably Alex Smith. I just like saying, I just like saying the Peterman, I mean, yeah. honestly. You know you're not taking Nate Peterman. That's a Josh Rosen. No, answer. of course not. Yeah, it's a Rosen. Alex Smith or Josh Rosen? Alex Smith. For the next five years? Rosen. Thank you. I mean... Aaron Rodgers, to me, is the guy you're hoping Josh Rosen becomes from a mental standpoint. Joe well, Flacco tomorrow. Oh, Joe Flacco God. tomorrow for the next five years or Josh Rosen? 
I'll take my kid right now over over Joe Flacco. Philip Rivers for the next five years or Josh Rosen? Rivers. I agree. Russell Wilson over Josh Rosen. Rivers. (laughs) Russell Wilson. Dak Prescott over Josh Rosen for five years? What? Couldn't hear you. Prescott. Okay. Stafford probably over Rosen. Andy Dalton, yep. I'm taking Josh Rosen. Absolutely. Then you got the Bills again. Patriots. Hmm. See, now, a lot of that Rosen-Patriots talk you've seen, a lot of the talk about whether you're going to have... Makes a lot of sense to me. It does. What do you, what do you think what's going to happen with Brady, whatever that whole dynamic, whether it's going to be McDaniels or, or Belichick leading the next five, ten years, Right now, I think Camelot is on fire, so we'll leave them out. But the point is, Josh Rosen is better than half the league right now. Brian Hoyer is the backup quarterback. Is he still the backup quarterback in New England? The point is that Josh Rosen is better than half the league right now, right? Well, I I would think so. Or at least you'd rather bet on him than half the league. I would bet on him than half the league. Whether he's better or not remains the You never know that stuff, but you know what I'm trying to say. You're looking at half the league. At least half the league needs an upgraded quarterback. And for at least half the league, Josh Rosen represents that upgrade. And which is which number one point, points to the number one thing I always say about this league. Hashtag QB famine. Supply and demand. But why if are we stupid say, about it? Everyone can see that Josh Allen can't play. I don't think everybody sees it. No, I agree. They don't see it. My they're, question they're is blinded. why not? Because they're blind. Because they're blind. Come on. Because he's 6'4", 240, 6'5", 240, whatever it is. Allen and Rosen are both 6'4", or better. Yeah, well. I mean, excuse me, Rosen and Darnold are both 6'4", or better. We're talking about them like they're shrimps. I don't get it. Well, we're also talking about what coaches can talk themselves into, right? Yeah, I think that stuff is insane. The the ego of the coach is that I can fix it. It's, it's, you know, unfortunately not to, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll change. I won't even use the analogy I was going to use because I was going to walk down a rabbit hole and I'm not going to do it right now. I feel like they feel that like they can change them, right? They feel like whatever they had wrong with them, they can turn into a strength for them. That's the ego of the NFL head coach, the NFL offensive coordinator, the NFL QB coach. That's why they keep failing, right? They fail more than they hit. So the most valid criticism Pass on Aaron Rodgers for 23 picks. There's there's a list of those a a year long. So the most valid criticisms of Josh Rosen to me, agree or not. Number one, he gets a little greedy and he won't trust his arm too much. Oh, in fact, it says, huh, right here, trusting arm too much, not trusting the scheme and teammates. I wrote that down from notes. Well, and... I would agree with all that, except for that I think for two of the three years, his scheme was trash, and for all three, his teammates were mostly booty. Here's what it is. <laughs> so I think that's the biggest issue to me, is that he's a guy who gets maybe a little overly aggressive and greedy. When you start to hear about things, though, about uh, all this personality stuff, all the he wants to know why stuff, to me, I throw it all out the. I, I throw it completely out the window, because I'm looking at a guy who can play the position, who has literally every trait you're looking for in terms of being in the pocket and and being a passer from that situation, which I think you would have to acknowledge 
if you've watched any NFL football at all, having a precise and expertise pocket passing quarterback is the an effective one is the single greatest advantage in the NFL. Well, here's what I, and I think I can probably sum up everything we've talked about over the past, however many minutes real quickly. Um, yes. Does he have a problem trusting his arm too much? Does your problem getting out of the pocket, make decisions? Sure. It's a flaw, but every one of these quarterbacks has a huge flaw that stands out. Nobody's perfect. Um, I think to me, the biggest issue I would have with drafting Josh Rosen, number one, if I was not going to do it, if I was going to talk myself into a reason why I would not do it, the only reason I would have is that he has not made it through a, a whole season since he's a freshman. And I have and, no problem with that. I think that's completely valid. To me, that's the only reason I would do it because, look, he's taken a lot of beatings. We talk about it with running backs, about what type of abuse they take in college and from high school and what that projects in the NFL. And we've seen it with, with Josh Rosen. If he cannot get through college football, which is the best of high school, you have to wonder, can he make it through the NFL, which is the best of all of that, the top 1%, if that, on the field. That, to me, the only reason I could say don't draft a number one, I could give in to my thoughts about somebody else who's more athletic, somebody who's able to make more plays out of the pocket, somebody who's able to more take care of themselves because they all turn the football over. They so do. if I know they all turn the football over, then I want to make sure the quarterback I draft will be there long enough for me to keep my job. So let, let me do one last test, and then we'll call it. I want your – is it reasonable – to take this guy over Josh Rosen. Okay. And I want a yes or no. Sam Darnold. Yeah. Baker Mayfield. No. Lamar Jackson. No. Josh Allen. Absolutely not. Thank you. And see, that's really where I'm coming from. To me, it's those two guys. And, and I really don't mean to denigrate Lamar or Baker, I do mean to denigrate Josh Allen, though I don't mean to do so personally. I don't want to insult the kid because he seems like a perfectly nice human being. <laughs> but he can't play. And I, I just don't get this world where we're talking about a guy who couldn't complete half his passes at the JC level over a guy like Josh Rosen. Like, what are, we, just saying, what are we even talking about? If you haven't learned anything from Harry Potter... Is to not say that name. He shall not be named. That is what's going on here. And the more you continue Dog, to say I'm a his Browns name, fan. that name has been said over and over and over again. Look, I, I know you guys have been burned for many years. In fact, I was cussed out by an 80 some odd, 80 year old lady as I sat there minding my own business of Cleveland trying to watch the game. It's just they, they live a little rougher out there what, in Ohio. Look, I'm just saying the story sounds much better when she's plus 80. Um, well, she's so, unattractive and noisy. I'll give her that. Yeah, that's for sure. Hopefully, this is the draft that does not force you to put on another hat because at the same time I was there, a mere 20 years ago, when I was ready to leave the Philadelphia Eagles and oh, all they've true. left behind. You were going to become a Baltimore Ravens fan, weren't you? Jim McMahon you was a quarterback of a for bitch. the Philadelphia Eagles. Jim McMahon played quarterback for the Eagles. Jeff Kemp played quarterback. Are you talking about Jim McMahon like it's a downside? At that point, it was the 
<laughs> it was really tough to play quarterback. You didn't have that. And I was ready to be done. As you mentioned, Ray Lewis's jersey was swinging in my closet, and then they drafted one Donovan. You were, you were swinging from F. Ray Lewis's what? Donovan F. McNabb. I'm just going to go ahead and for the for the video, you get this. Show some respect. Fortunately, it's going to be an all audio podcast. <laughs> Donovan McNabb was drafted by the Eagles, led them to a what has been a two-decade, three-decade run. A lot of victories ended with, well, the Supreme One. So show some damn respect. I suppose. I and suppose. only hope that that means that maybe this year you're going to get the one. No, it's not going to happen. Actually, you know, they could do it right. You never know. Any- no, but hey, if they don't, I am there to watch the Rams hat go on. Go there will be Periscope. No, look, it's time to deal with that fact. The IG, no, Facebook no, Live, have things are happening. Yeah, you know, I could pick the Rams. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I just at this point, I really, I still genuinely believe it's going to be Sam Darnold, and so I don't think John Dorsey is going to let me out just yet. I don't think he is. It's my genuine belief. Say, dog, it was good. For, it was for, good. Look, before you kick me out, this one is for Mr. Leister. Just for Mr. Leister, who has had the urge to tell me to sit down many times, <laughs> this will be the final time. <laughs> this one I will say on I can't do anything turf. about this, Brendan. This is not my bad. The Eagles are world champs, and that is the last time I will mention it. <laughs> fly, Eagles, fly. I'll allow you to sing it if you want. No, 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 no. You actually Come on, Sin. Sing the song. Fly, go fly on the way to victory. That's it. That's all you get. <laughs> Moving on. That's pretty weak, but that's okay. Send dog. I love you, baby. Good talking to you. Go Browns. Peace.